Welcome back to the Most Illegal Podcast, a show where we share the untold stories of the people who make law firms operate. I'm your co-host, Rob Joyner, Chief Revenue Officer at Centerbase. And this week, we're so excited to be talking to Amy Lynn Reedling, who is truly a jack of all trades. And I'm the better half of the show, Amanda Copas, the Executive Director for a mid-sized law firm based in Central Florida. I'm exhausted just hearing about Amy Lynn's role at her firm. She has three jobs in one, and that's not even the most interesting thing about her. She's hired and managed family members, kept teenage employees engaged at a theme park, and she runs circles around many people I know. Before we get started, we want to thank our podcast sponsor, Centerbase, software built to power the growth of mid-sized law firms. Let's dive in. Amy Lynn Reedling is the paralegal slash office manager slash bookkeeper for Robin Balsam and is based out of Seattle, Washington. You've been a paralegal since you got your bachelor's degree in law and justice, and you basically chose that program because your friend needed help with homework. Mm -hmm. And then fun fact, you also became a certified paralegal because another friend was doing that program, which makes you a much better friend than I am because I would never go to such lengths for a friendship. And you've been extremely active in NALS, which we're going to ask you to tell us what that is and tell us a little bit about your role there uh, in a few minutes. But what else did I miss? You're married and you you met your husband on your first job. Like you have a great meet cute. Can we start there? Oh, sure. Uh, yes. Um, so 16 year old me went and worked at the amusement park by my house. Oh, I have questions about that too. (laughs) Right. Um, and I had interviewed as a, uh, ride operator. And part of the reason they asked me to be a ride operator at the amusement park was that I liked to babysit and be around a lot of little kids. And that's kind of the job description as a ride (laughs) operator, wrangling little kids. Um, And so the first day of my first ever real job that wasn't babysitting, well, this is more like glorified babysitting with a paycheck, (laughs) Um, I was running this ride called the Helicopters. It was actually ended up being my favorite ride to run the entire time I was at Enchanted Village. And my now husband was running the Ferris wheel, which was right next to me all day. Um, My husband is very attractive to me. Obviously, we've been married for a very long time. And I was like, well, this is a great perk for the first day at work. <laughs> I get to see this gorgeous guy all day long. And I'm running this ride that I love with these little kids because the helicopters, you could probably couldn't be older than seven or eight to really enjoy it. So it's the fun little kids who are experiencing an amusement park usually for their first time. And so the first day, first ever lunch break, what a, lo and behold, Mike and I had the same lunch break together. Who knew? And so um, we sat at the same table, started talking to each other, and um, then throughout our rest of our teenage lives, we did this on and off again thing, dating, and oh, 20 plus years ago, we ended up getting back together and uh, been married ever since, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That is a unique story. Yeah. I I always ask, so I always like uh, fun stories. Since you worked at an amusement park, what's like the the funniest short story or wildest thing that happened? Oh, um, boy, there's some really good. Well, the wildest thing that ever happened to me was also the scariest slash funniest at the same time. There was a ride you guys have probably seen. It's called the octopus. So it looks like an octopus with eight different ones. By the way, it's yeah. yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. And so it goes up and down and then the things spin around at the same time. Well, I was running that ride. And I went to 
put it so it was already going around and I went to make it so the arms were going to go up and down and I moved the shifter to do it and it came off in my hands and I'm like well that's interesting (laughs) so I just put it back down so no one could tell what was going on the ride was now doing the up and down thing it had engaged and then it came off so I just slyly pick up the phone and call maintenance for help I'm like you might want to get up here they're like okay see if you can stop the ride the other way and i'm like so i went to grab the other gear shift and pull it back and it came off too and i'm like nope <laughs> so uh, here i'm not going that amusement ride. park yeah right well, <laughs> doesn't that sound ride safe doesn't even exist at that amusement park anymore um and what had happened was the welds were extremely old and they had come undone and so i could have had i known how it worked put the thing back down and actually made it engage but i'm not mechanical at all so i didn't know i was like i don't want to blow anything up or kill anyone so we'll just put these down and let the experts come up and it was actually a very easy fix boss came in he was able to dive into the ride and actually do the mechanics inside it was no big deal um, but for me, it was a very big deal at 18 years old. And here's this thing just not working for me. And I've got little kids and adults who are obviously starting to not be comfortable on the ride anymore because it's been going a lot longer than normal. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a very interesting moment for me there. Um, that's probably the craziest story that I would put on here. Um, but the weirdest thing about that job was it actually set me up to be a paralegal in ways I never expected. Okay. Um, So besides being the fact that I met my husband and have had a great deal out of that, um, I ended up becoming a supervisor at Enchanted Village and Wildways for that rides department. And if you want to learn how to manage people, manage teenagers who are only working for stereo money. Oh, yeah. There's no motivation to stay there. Like they're unhappy. They're out. They can go Mm -hmm. find money for stereos for their cars or other things elsewhere. So you have to learn to motivate, yet discipline, yet keep people, you know, where they want to be all in one shot. And I was an 18-year-old who was hiring and firing kids and also mm-hmm. just trying to keep them there. So um, lawyers don't scare me because they're a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> they have mortgages. They have things that are like obligations. They can't just go, I'm out. See you later because I don't care. Um, so, yeah, it really set me up to deal with some pretty difficult you know, personalities and things that really make sometimes lawyers look so much easier. <laughs> the The name Enchanted Village is making uh-huh. me think of like that Simpsons episode where they go to itchy and scratchy land yes. and it's like an off-brand theme park. That's so- kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Like you don't want to get on the, I'm not a big Simpsons fan, but. Uh, <laughs> that one my, sticks in your head. Yes, my husband yeah, and I actually love that episode it, for that yeah. reason. <laughs> All the kids and my husband, and I mean, they think it's inappropriate. But I, but I can, I can relate to that because I started managing people when I was really, really young as well. Mm-hmm. I managed at a, uh, like the kitchen staff at a, you know, <laughs> I was I washed dishes, but right. I was so good at washing dishes that I managed the kitchen staff and had to like set schedules for all these mm-hmm. people who were like washing dishes as their professional job. And right. yeah, talk about humbling, but also teaching you that you literally will do it all, right? You yeah. have to do all parts of it. Yep. Um, so, so that kind of <clears throat> transitions into to the first topic we want to talk about. You know, when we um, when we talk we talk to people that are at a, I can't speak that are at all different size firms, mm-hmm. and being at a smaller firm, I mean, you're doing a, a mix of office management, legal work and paying the bills. How do you, how do you balance all that? Oh, um, 
honestly teamwork. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's, I have an amazing team at both smaller firms that I um, have been at for long periods of time that allow me to do it. If I didn't have an amazing team behind me, I would just be pulling my hair out. So right. um, the firm I was at for 20 plus years um, up in Seattle was one where I lucked out because my coworkers were my mother, my best friend since kindergarten, <laughs> my college roommate, and my husband's best friend's wife. So um, I know these people. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes it very easy to know what the flow of the day is going to be like because you know each other so well. You can tell when someone walks through the door what kind of day they're having without having to right. say anything. My mother knows what kind of day I'm having just by looking at me. Liz and I have known each other since we were literally five years old. And since we've known each other and been around each other longer than most people stay married, we definitely have a shorthand. There's there's no issue with that. Um, so that team was actually really easy for me in a lot of ways. And it made me being able to figure out how to balance all those different jobs much easier. Um, so I had 20 years of really good practice at managing stuff with a great team that knows me from the ground up where I'm at now is actually the same idea, but I don't have my mother and my best friend working for me anymore. <laughs> Selfishly, my mother didn't want to do anything anymore. Uh. And my best friend is actually at a different firm. And I'm very proud of her because she is one that I knew would succeed as a paralegal. She would just take the chance at the job mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. she has just gone above and beyond with it. Um, but where I'm at now, actually, my, my main attorney, Robin Balsam, runs her firm differently than most firms. And it oh, yeah. allows me to really help the balance. Um, first of all, Robin and I communicate fairly well. We have days where we don't communicate at all. And this just drives <laughs> both of us insane. It's like, I'm saying words and you're saying words, but they're not working there. Um, but most of the time, we don't have that problem. And so her and I can communicate about what she needs done first. And I'm not scared to say, I've got 18 things on my desk. What's the most important to you? Um, right. And also the other thing is, is I don't have cases assigned to me. She doesn't work that way. She has all the cases to her and the other attorneys and they dole out tasks depending on how the workflow is. That's interesting. It is. It, it was really hard. And I was going to say, how hard was to that it. to not being in a case from the ground up? Very hard. For the first yeah. couple of years, I struggled so bad with that because you would get a project and you do part of it and then you'd never see it again. And unless right. I talked to someone in, later on at lunch, like, hey, what happened with that? I'd never know what happened. Interesting. But it works great for the flow and the kind of the work that we do. Okay. Um, it works great for her because then she... I would not say she's a micromanager, but she's definitely a heavy handed manager and that mm -hmm. she, but she, she understands the responsibility she has. Her name's on the door. Anything <laughs> I do that screws up is her license. You know, that's what I used to tell my students all the time. We're the only field where anytime you screw up, you're dealing with somebody else's license. And that's mm -hmm. why people in the law field are hesitant to take chances on people because you're asking them to take a chance on their entire livelihood sometimes. So, um, Teamwork so is when you say is. she, so when you say mm -hmm. she runs it differently, that's what you mean, just about yes. how the delegation of tasks. Yes, exactly. Because yes. yes. as you know, Amanda, um, and probably Rob, you do too. Most law firms are you come in, you're assigned an attorney or a bunch of attorneys, and you have their cases to work mm -hmm. on, right. and it's your responsibility to be paying, paying attention to them from beginning to end. And my responsibility as um, my job as the paralegal is. Uh, to do what I'm asked to do and not worry about the flow of the case because other people may be working on that. And that got really, that was, like I said, it was very hard to get used to the first couple of years. Now I love it. 
and I would hope to hopefully not go back to the other way. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Robin's going to work till I want to retire. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure at some point I'm going to go back to the other direction. Well, I think it's interesting because I guess what that does for you is it it does actually give you more control over your day. Because uh-huh. if it's end of year and you've got to get taxes done or you've got to get, you know, you've got to get pre-bills sent out because mm-hmm. you're doing all of the jobs, she can give you less case tasks on those right. days and allow you to balance with your other jobs, right? I'm, I'm just yeah. guessing. Yeah, that, that's very true. But you know, the other thing, Amanda, that really does that I don't think a lot of people would realize until you sit in this situation, I don't wake up at two o'clock in the morning anymore and wonder what's going on in XYZ case. Interesting. I don't mm-hmm. have those, oh my gosh, does something get done at 2 a.m. situations because I don't have a case to watch that closely. I feel bad because I think Robin has a lot of those in the way that she runs her firm, but Mm -hmm. Robin runs her firm in the way that works best for her. And it's our job to get used to it. And I have, um, and I don't miss those 2 AM. Oh my gosh, did we do this? Or did we miss a deadline or, you know, those kinds of things where never did never missed anything, but man, those dreams hit you hard sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So, so a topic that we talked about, um, on the first season, was retaining talent mm-hmm. and getting talent at smaller firms. Right. Other than your 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 family members and best <laughs> friends and everybody else you knew beforehand. When you run out of friends, who yeah. When hired. you run out of friends, <laughs> what um what would you say are some lessons learned over the years for retaining great talent at a small firm? Oh sure. The first and foremost is understand who you're working with. Everyone mm-hmm. has strengths and everyone has weaknesses, and you have to learn to play to the strengths, make them feel very much a part of the team and that they're achieving things and that their accomplishments really mean something. But at the same time, you have to force them to do some of the things that are their weaknesses, but force them in a way that they're learning how to improve upon them, not throwing them under the bus kind of situation. And you have to get to know your team to do that. And to do it, you have to have real conversations and you have to be really observant of what they like to do. Um, perfect example at my firm right now, uh, the person who I would call the senior paralegal, Christine, she is an amazing person when it comes to drafting and writing. Mm. And she was an English major. And man, we play to that like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> she can save us when it's like we had the weirdest situation. Okay, Christine, make that into a story. Make it sell to the court. You're going to make it good. You don't ask me to do that ever. You do not ask for that skill because it's not <laughs> going to happen. I can put down facts and I can make a mini story. I cannot do what Christine does. Jeanette is the other paralegal that the, is there and she's our probate's checklist girl she has it down everything has a spot everything i mean her desk is one of those where you can walk to it and everything has its spot and there's a checklist <laughs> for everything i'm so not like that not mine also. yeah like not mine either <laughs> you don't want to see amanda's office it really sure i mean like you can see some of my office but this is the clean part i have she literally points the camera at the ceiling so you can't yep. see anything else. Yes, we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah. if I was my at my office, office I'd have to do the same thing. I have piles everywhere and I know mm-hmm. what's in the piles, but no one else does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have Jeanette's personality, which is absolutely fantastic. And so she is the one that when I need to learn to do something that has checklists and other things, that's where I go because she's going to be the one that's like, I have a new process I have to learn. Yeah, go to Jeanette because she's got it all written out. She keeps it all where to go. And when I need to teach someone a new process, 
the first thing I do is stop at Jeanette's desk to make sure I have the current checklist and how things are done. <laughs> and I know what I'm doing because otherwise I'm going to teach them incorrectly and that's going to drive everyone <laughs> insane. Right. Um, and then you have me where I have no fear. I will pick up a phone and call anyone I need to call, which by the way is a lost skill these days. Have you guys noticed that? Yes. People don't yes, because I phone. hate talking on the phone. <laughs> they text. We text, text, yes. text, text. It's something text, I talk yes, to salespeople exactly. about all the time. They yes, will just shoot an email text. over. And I'm like, yeah. pick up the damn the phone. phone. <laughs> yes, that exactly. But don't. Just... <laughs> but don't call Amanda. <laughs> don't call Amanda. <laughs> we I... know, we know. Running joke. <laughs> but um, for me, I don't have fear about calling people. I don't have fear of playing dumb, as I tell people. I probably know the answer <laughs> I'm calling for. But I'm going to play dumb and play politely dumb so they can tell me and I can confirm it. If I have to call the clerk in Wahoo, Nebraska, which I've called many a time lately, um, you know, it's like I don't work in Nebraska. I have no idea. I can't believe there's a town named Wahoo. And actually, I did ask. Oh, so that's real. Okay. That is real. And I I asked her, I was like, I don't mean to be impolite, but how do you say the name of your town so I don't screw it up? And the clerk was like, Wahoo, as in Wahoo, I get to get out of here. So there's just like a bunch of Wahoos that live there? Yes, basically. That'd be but, you know, I'm not afraid to do those things. I'm not afraid to dive in. I'm not afraid to just find the answer. And um, hopefully the students I've had at Highline when they came through my class learned that lesson more than anything else. You have to be self-sufficient and you have to be kind of fearless to do this job because a lot of times people just want to find it in a book. And the answer these days is not in a book anymore. Okay. So I have two questions. First, sure. can I get any credit? for leaving that joke on the table about not knowing anything and playing dumb. You can't. <laughs> okay, thanks. And then the question the second question is, can you go a little bit more into the teaching the teaching that you did? You briefly said you taught at Highline. Oh, sure. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what yeah. you do and I can. So for 5 years, um up until about 2 years ago, my former boss and I, Robert Nylander and I taught law office technology at Highline. That was actually another very funny story. When we were at um, the firm I worked for him at, he was getting ready to retire. And for years, he had told me, if only I could find a way to teach when I'm done with this, that would be the next great step in my career. Literally the day he decides that he's going to retire, that we're going to start winding stuff up for him. I get, a, I get an email from Highline, which is the school that I went to the second time around, the ABA school. And I had stayed very active with them as a speaker and other things. And they were like, hey, we're looking for someone to teach law office technology. Do you know anyone who's interested? <laughs> and I emailed back, boy, do I ever. So I talked to Bob quickly and I was like, hey, you know that dream of teaching? Well, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yes. And he's like, well, I'll only do it if you want to do it with me. And I was like, sure. Sounds great. Because, you know, I do everything with all my friends. If they do something, I have to do it. Obviously, we learned that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you are joining. What's the curriculum? The curriculum covers Word. It covers Excel. Covers Adobe in being how to use Adobe for like Bates labeling and redacting. It covers Relativity for eDiscovery. We also use Logical for Mm eDiscovery, which is a much smaller company that a lot of small firms can use for eDiscovery and keep up with the big boys. We also covered. Clio and other law office management kinds of things. And uh, if I was still teaching, we'd be changing that. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) 
We're gonna need to cut that out. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, we can leave it. We can leave it. Leave it. Leave it. He yeah. was setting you up when he asked about what legal tech you teach. Right. Right. Actually, I was curious. Uh, yeah, I was so. more so curious. You know, as I learned on a previous episode, sometimes uh, the things I think of as technology in a law firm are a little more advanced than what they're actually talking about. Right. Like right. Word. Right. Like right. Word. And so some of those, our- yeah. It was funny because our emphasis in Word was actually, um, we assumed you knew how to use the program when you came in, but we were teaching you to do the things that I hear all the time from actually um, law firm administrators in my area. And when I talk to the ALA up here, which is nobody knows how to do tables of authorities and table of contents. Styles, tables of authorities, tables of contents. So we drilled that into them. They had to literally take an appellate brief we gave them and gave me table of contents, table of authorities. They had to put the styles in and they had to do it multiple times because as I told them, this is a hard field to break into. Right. But if you're competing against me and we're even one-on-one, but you can do a skill that I can't, you're going to get in the door before I do. And I want to give you those skills and that one up because you're going to be competing with me out there in the law firm. Because at the time it wasn't the hiring issue we're having now where there's <laughs> no one around to hire. At the time, these these people were going to be competing with um, people like myself who'd been doing this for 20 plus years. And I wanted to give them every leg up I could. So we made sure that was one of the things. But the other thing we did was teach them legal research. And I'm not talking Westlaw, LexisNexis. I'm talking real world. How do you find information on somebody that you need for your case? Google. Do you, yeah. it's it's. Do you, does your <laughs> client even own... Um, any assets because maybe you're in a family law situation and you need to figure out what the assets are. And I can tell you a lot of times those clients are going to come in and want to hide what's Mm -hmm. out there because they want to play games, which is why I don't want to ever work in family law. Um, (laughs) There are um, times where we would actually be looking into a situation where someone would come in with a case against someone else. And we need to know, does this person have any assets that even if we won a case, you're going to get anything? Or are all you're buying yourself with this lawsuit is a piece of paper you can frame on your wall that you're never going to collect anything on? Because we don't want our clients at the time when I was at that firm to spend hundreds, thousands, you know, whatever the dollar figure is at the end to only get a judgment piece of paper that they're never going to be able to collect on. They need to know the realities of the things because that's, it's great for us to have the business, but it's not great for us to take advantage of people. And my former firm was the furthest thing from taking advantage of people. So we made sure that everyone knew exactly what there was out there to get that we could find. So they understood what they were going into before they ever pulled the trigger on a lawsuit situation, because that's only fair to your client to know what they can or can't get. So one of the things when you're training paralegals, a lot of times they come into the program and you find certain skills that you wish they had already known when they got in. What are some of those skills? What are some things that if you're considering a role as a paralegal, you should know or be prepared to know when you're getting into school for it. So, okay. I just want to make sure I understand the question. So if I'm thinking about going to paralegal school. Sure. Okay. First of all, when I talk to people, cause I do actually talk to quite a few people thinking about going into the field. Um, the first thing I talk about is technology. You can't be scared of it. You absolutely cannot be scared of technology because when I started as a paralegal guys, the ABA was actually arguing about whether email was an ethical form of communication. <laughs> I remember some, not that part, but I do remember about whether it's considered attorney client 
comp, you know, if it's confidential yep. or whatever. So. Yeah, exactly. That was their biggest fear was how could you use this new form of communication over this internet thing at the time that would be safe and be confidential? And how could you send documents back and forth? Now, can you imagine the legal field now without email? Right. I mean, but at the time, that was a real question when I started. So when you tell somebody that's how it was 20 plus years ago when you started to where we are now with technology, technology moves so much faster than the legal field ever does. We, I feel like we're always on the tail end of picking up technology. And so you can't be scared of it because you're going to have to dive in. I do tell people um, that you have to want to know the question and you have to want to be nosy. I tell people that I'm a very nosy person and that's why <laughs> I succeed at my job. Yeah. Um, because I want to know the answers. Uh, and then basically the other thing is just don't have fear, just go for it. And it's going to be, but you have to be able to handle stress because you are in a lot of terms, the last line of defense mm -hmm. for making sure that things get done, for making sure that something unethical doesn't happen, for making sure that your attorneys do what they're supposed to do. And if you can't communicate with an attorney point blank to say, we have a deadline and it has to get done. And if I have to stand here and stare at you till you get the job done, I will. Then you're going to have a tough time as a paralegal because attorneys are going to just do what they want to do half the time. And that sounds so terrible to say, but it's <laughs> true. They're going to do what they think is most important. Yet, you know what is most important for them. If You have to railroad them to get them to pay attention to it. And if you don't have a personality that can do that, you won't succeed very well at least not in a job that has any sort of litigation to it um, and not in a job that has any sort of different thing, different day. Um, maybe in a job where you were doing the same thing every day as is your attorney, you wouldn't have that much of a situation, but I've never had one of those jobs. Um, so all I've ever had were jobs where you do have to make sure that people 100% are getting done what they need to do. And if I have to be the big bad guy standing in the room to get it done, I'll be the big bad guy standing in the room to get it done. So let me, so let me ask you like a follow-up question to that. Um, as an office manager, a firm administrator, you know, since you've been around a lot of paralegals and seen them go through training, um, and you kind of mentioned, you, you kind of answered the first part earlier. What are the things you look for when you're hiring a paralegal? And what are those gotchas that you look out for when you're hiring a paralegal? Oh, um, Boy, I haven't had to hire a paralegal in a while, which sounds crazy. <laughs> well, can you tell me how to do it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Amanda's taking um, notes. Or unless you want to move to Florida and come work for us. Uh, I would move to Florida in a heartbeat, but I'd have to get a divorce because my husband doesn't like heat above 60 degrees. Okay. Oh. Well. And I kind, you know, kind of invested in him, so probably not yeah. going to Florida. You put in the time. I right. Get. I know. Whatever. Right. Um. One of the things I look for, um, first and foremost, is personality and how I think you're going to fit into the team. Mm -hmm. I can teach anyone to do what we're doing as a paralegal. I can show you how to do a probate. I can show you how to do a summary judgment. I can show you how to be self-sufficient and find things on the internet. What I can't do is change your personality. You are who you are when you come through mm -hmm. the door. And I don't expect to change anyone's personality. So I really, when we are talking to people we're going to hire, and Robin's very big on this too, is we're looking at how you interact with us just in general. We are asking just general kind of life questions. 
We want to see how you answer them. We want to see how you kind of handle our sense of humor because Robin and I both have very, (laughs) let's just say Amanda, you and Robin and I would have a great conversation. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Rob like back slowly out of the room. (laughs) I'll leave the room. You guys are good. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's very, I'm looking for personality more than anything else. Uh, But I am also looking for, um, I do ask for a lot of times, uh, you know, obviously resumes, but then we also ask for writing samples. Oh, that's, the, yeah. The biggest thing I'm looking at actually in writing samples in the resume is I don't really care what the words are on the paper. I want to make sure that they're formatted correctly and other <laughs> things because nine times out of 10, I'm not writing the words on the paper. I'm formatting them. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. So did you care enough to take whatever your work product was and make sure it looks the way it should? Mm-hmm. I give 100% grace for people who have to apply for things online because once you upload your resume, you have literally no control over those situations when they come to you through third parties. So those I actually give grace to, but then what we do is we ask them to provide us their resume separately outside of Mm -hmm. that. So then, because, and I actually do show them in the interview, this is what we get from whoever you went through and this is what you came across. And as you can see, if I just went with what came across, sometimes there's some real issues to it. And part of that is just making them aware of how it works. If you're working through, I'm going to use an old one, but like monsters.com. I got my first job on (laughs) monsters.com. Oh my gosh. We need to cut that out for a, uh, (laughs) maybe they'll pay us. Maybe they'll pay us for that. Can we get sponsored content? Yeah. I, I told my God. a story in my mentorship one wild. about how I got my first job on Monster.com. Actually, that should be our uh, our teaser. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, really, personality is what I'm looking for in anything else these days, um, especially because right now, realistically, you're taking a chance on the people you have coming through the door because the market is so insanely crazy across the board, but I'm sure Amanda, you a hundred percent know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's like, I really hope that there are a lot of law firms out there that are taking the chance on the people coming out of the college, the ABA programs and things, because if you can get the right personality in, and if you have a great training program, you can make anyone a fantastic paralegal and legal assistant. They just have to fit in your team. Yeah. I truly believe that problem. I hire, I always say, tell people, I hire for aptitude and attitude. Can you learn it and will you learn it? And those two things are more important to me many times than if you already know it. And I fully believe that. And um, yeah, our firm and other firms I've worked for has have great succession planning, right? You can do this and then you can do that and you go up. And so we're training and we're getting our paralegals out of our current pipeline. Um, Cause you know, it used to be, you can't be a paralegal until you've been a paralegal. And it's just this really weird dynamic. Like how can you do a job you've never done? And so, yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know, one of the things I used to tell my students was when you're looking for an internship or you're looking for your first job, get your foot in the law firm. Because again, this all goes back to we're the only industry where if you screw up, somebody else pays the consequences potentially. And so if you get your foot in the door as a receptionist, as a legal assistant, you know, whatever it is to get your foot in the door, that's how you get your foot in the door. And what happens then is you prove yourself. And as you prove yourself, people acknowledge skill within the law firm when they see it. And when there becomes an opportunity for someone to move up, 
there's a good chance they're going to come talk to you because they want to promote from within mm -hmm. and then bring somebody new in at the bottom. And it works so well because then they, you already know they're a team member. You already know that they know what the firm culture is. You already know they want to be there, which is a huge thing these days right. that they want to be there and stay there. And so if you can get yourself in where you're comfortable, even if it's at a level that you don't think you want to start at, try it because you never know where it's going to go from there. So Amy Lynn, one thing that you mentioned earlier on was your involvement with NOWS. I mm -hmm. believe you're on the board of directors now or you're about to be? I'm about to step back onto the board of directors as of May 1st, yes. So um, we talk a lot about the ALA, but NOWS mm -hmm. has not come up. Could you give us a little background on the organization and, and what the goals of the organization are and then and your involvement as well? Sure. So um, NOWS is actually the oldest legal association that's around. It's been around since 1929. Um it started because a law clerk looked at a legal secretary at the time and said, couldn't you all just get together and figure this stuff out? So I'm not <laughs> consistently telling you all the same thing over and over again. And uh, Yula Mae Jett, who was the uh, legal secretary who was told that, took that to heart and started NALS. It's, um, it's basically the Association for Legal Support Professionals. So anyone who works in the legal field in any capacity can be a member of NALS and can further their career and further their network. So we have the usual suspects of legal secretaries, legal assistants, legal pair, uh, legal paralegals, paralegals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those legal paralegals and then the non-legal ones. Yeah. Um, and we also have uh, bailiffs. We have a few judges. We have some attorneys. We have uh, quite a few court reporters. Um, we have a few vendors that who are also members as well. And it's an association that's out there for anyone who wants to further themselves. Even if you don't know where you want to be in the legal field, um, it's a way to further your education and your knowledge along the way um, and uh, certify yourself if you want to. So it basically gives you access to a lot of other types of positions, right? So if you're coming into the legal industry, like you were saying, and you mm -hmm. don't know what does this person do? I mean, we have listeners who don't know the role and the difference between a paralegal and a lawyer and a legal assistant and legal secretary. And so right. um, you're saying that that organization is really good at that because it, it just has a wide berth and membership is open to so many people. Yes, exactly. Okay. And we have a lot of members who have determined they want to become more involved in the legal field, say they're a um, bookkeeper right now, but they've seen the job of legal assistant and think that's really where I want to go. Well, their current job doesn't necessarily lend to them to getting the training and other things, but they can go through our education and certification to help them. So when an opportunity does come up, they can show whomever they're applying to, whether it's their current firm or somewhere else that they put the time and the effort and this wants to be their career. So they've gone and certified themselves at the accredited level and then they can move themselves up to the other two as needed. Um, and basically we're just a giant network. In fact, Amanda, when you talk about the ALA on this podcast so often, you could just literally stick the word nows in there for most of those <laughs> stories. Um, and that was actually one of the things that I loved about the podcast the most when I started listening was just your enthusiasm and how you feel about ALA is literally how I feel about nows. I mean, we yeah. can literally just take the initials and stick, you know, different things the in front of them. In. And that is so exciting to me because NALS and ALA actually used to have an amazing partnership and mm -hmm. I think it needs to come back out now. And that's one of my goals actually going back onto the board is 
NALS is the place where we can help the administrators send people to get the education to help those who are coming into the field learn what they need to learn that's not necessarily taught at the firm. Right. I like and it. then help them move along. And so it's like, we need to, and I want to get that relationship back going where it is, because if we can help you by giving the training that's needed, then the ALA doesn't have to go find training in multiple different places yeah. for people for what they need. Board to board. Let's make it happen. Exactly. Right, right? here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, that's that's actually one of my main goals for coming back on. The and board. so how many members does NALS have? Uh, we're about know? 1,400 strong right now. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. And do you have like local chapters like ALA yes. does? Yes, okay. we do. Okay. So we are a currently a tri-level association. So I have a Pierce County local level here. I have my Washington state level, and then I'm also have the national level. So I have okay. three different levels for myself of different things to do. <laughs> I was like, your to-do list, like you must be like mine. It's like ALA, regular job, uh-huh. <laughs> NALS, regular job. Exactly. Yeah. Except exactly. you have like 18 regular jobs. So yes. your to-do list must be like an entire spreadsheet. Pretty much um, some days. <laughs> Well, that's great. So I, um, I really appreciate that because I hear that a lot from our legal support, uh, is I need more training. I need more training. I need Mm -hmm. more training. And that's, it's really hard. Like I can, I can teach, I can go get you word skills or Excel skills, but some of that, like, you know, you're talking about intro to, you know, drafting or legal research or something like that. Those, those are harder to train. And so I really, um, I might just have to go Google Nals and see what I can find. Well, yeah, that was going to be my next question. If somebody wants to to learn more about Nals, um, where can they go find that information? Other than Google, what's the website? <laughs> <laughs> the website is uh, nals.org, N-A-L-S dot O-R-G. Awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's my baby. Um, I don't have children at home. And so I consider every single member of NALS one of my kids. And if I can help them succeed, that's my job. Um, And I take that pretty seriously. Uh, I love the education that I can bring to the forefront. And honestly, guys, I bring education that's interesting to me (laughs) more than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's great when you get to drive that train because it's like, I want to know something about XYZ. I'll find someone to teach us. And if I want to know, I guarantee there are other people out there that want to know it. Um, or if I see a really big gap of something that needs to be taught. And right now it's the basic skills. When you come into a law firm, there are a lot of things they don't teach you in school. And part of it is because they just don't have the time. And part of it is paralegal schools are just like law schools. You've gotten out, you've got this degree, but you don't even know where the front door of the courthouse is, (laughs) let alone what you do when you walk through the doors. And, um, and so my job is to help fill in kind of those gaps between, yes, you got this education, but now let's, let's teach you some real world stuff here too. Because when you hit the ground running your first day, you're probably going to get thrown something. Say, hey, I need this messenger out to so-and-so. Don't forget a conformed copy. We're going to need to do X, Y, or Z. And they're just going to give you a blank stare. <laughs> blank like, face, yeah. What is, yeah. What's the messenger and what's a conformed copy? I've never heard these words before. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm actually working with um, now to Washington here and some other um chapters across the country where we're trying to come up with a really good program to put a, I just started at a law firm training together through now. Oh so yeah. Go there. And one of our questions will be, and honestly, Amanda, I'll be emailing you on this Please is um, what are you as the administrator seeing are the gaps that you need filled? Because mm-hmm. I can, I know what small firm gaps are, but I have no idea about medium and large size firms. Yep. I can definitely all. help you with that. Great. 
All right. So Amy Lynn, you're so passionate about so many things, but Mm -hmm. we want to go into our final segment, which is the pitch your passion segment. Mm -hmm. And this gives you a chance to talk about something that you're really passionate about. I know we've got theme parks. I saw (laughs) English bulldogs on your list. I saw you're a hockey fan. I also saw some charities. So (laughs) go for it. Pitch your passion. Um, I know almost everyone who's listening to this and knows me is expects that I'm going to say Nels. And Nels is honestly my number one. Like I just told you guys, every member is a child and I love them, you know, with my heart. But honestly, one of the associations I became involved with because of Nels is called Lawyers Helping Hungry Children. And here in the Pierce County area, we throw an annual breakfast and it's the greatest thing ever. You get a room full of lawyers, you get them in, they write a check, you give them like a bagel and some cream cheese, <laughs> they hear a couple speakers and they're out. And it's a great program. It works so awesome. We give away some great um, awards, but more importantly, the money that we raise 100% goes to one or two charities every year and they're food bank charities. And so one of the things we look for is that they have to have a backpack program. So children who don't have food at home can take it home. And most of these programs with a backpack program actually has food, not just for the child, but for the family. Oh, wow. And some of the times we have found uh, food banks that actually are sending children home with like actual protein, like on a Friday, they're going home with a thing of chicken and other things to go with it. And so the family's getting a whole meal, two or three meals out of it that they wouldn't get elsewhere. And so I am in love with this uh, charity and what we do through Lawyers Helping Hungry Children because in the five years I've been involved, we've raised almost $200,000 for my little Pierce County here. And it just stays here within the county within I live. Um, There's also a Seattle chapter and there's other chapters throughout the state, but it's, it's huge. And to be able to do something like that as someone who doesn't have kids, but to be able to support children that way and the parents who are trying to just make it every day especially after covid hit um has been really near and dear to my heart and i got involved with that because announced one of the attorneys who was on the board at the time um asked me how now could help lawyers helping hungry children and i said we are great at throwing events and putting together name tags and putting together table seating (laughs) charts i can throw an event and a wedding like with in my sleep no problem anymore (laughs) um and so we became involved that way and then for an organization that's all about lawyers helping hungry children, they really have taken the paralegals who want to be involved into the fold. And I have as much of a say on that board as I do on the NALS board. And that's a great feeling for me because I do get to help my community here. And my community has some very wealthy areas and like a lot of other places has some very poor areas with people who are struggling. And to see those kids thrive in any way is great. That's 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 really awesome. Yeah. I, there's not a way to make me cry faster than telling me stories about kids going right. home on a Friday and their next meal being Monday morning. Like, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it hits home. And, and my mom was a teacher for years. And so I can't mm-hmm. even imagine teaching little kids who are coming into school on Monday just starving. Right. Mm. I mean, right. I get hangry at my desk and I can't concentrate. <laughs> imagine being a, you know, a five and a six year old. You don't know what's going on. You don't know why your yeah. emotions are all over the place and not eating doesn't help anything. So yeah. any so, way we can help these these families survive is great. So we'll uh, we'll make sure we drop some information in the uh, show notes. So if anybody want, if people okay. want to donate, they'll be able to do it there. That would be great. Uh, well, Amy Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun. 
it has been a lot of fun and thank you. I'm so grateful Evan called me to do this. <laughs> he was like, do you think you'd want to? And I was like, where do I sign up? Because <laughs> as you can tell, I'm shy and I don't like to talk about myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> Oh, All right. Thank man. you so much. You yeah, thank welcome. you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Most Illegal Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on mostlylegalpodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list, get weekly recaps, and get some of your very own Mostly Legal swag. <laughs>